0: in Vegas no good morning Cleveland yes that's right I'm in America I'm in Las Vegas and I'm here with Ian and Jack how are you guys doing good um hopefully
2: I can come out and join you in Vegas later this season but that relies on us beating the Steelers so a really really important game um this week
0: someone did tell me though Jack we're playing the year after in Vegas anyway
2: well I'm Probably in Vegas this year. I won't be in Vegas the year after. Because um, I'm going to Tokyo, Asia, and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, no. Need it this year. Um, fingers crossed.
0: Is that for your stag do, Vegas? Or have I said too much?
2: No, no. It's just a holiday and out there. So, uh, Tokyo is probably going to be a honeymoon. So, uh, Lovely. What... Stag do? Stag do? I don't know. Nor my problem to organise it. But, um, hey, we'll, we'll find out what carnage. Um Reach out to uh, Dan, our, our good mate, and uh, pester him for our uh, ideas. Excellent.
0: All right, great. Well, look, we're not a Jack um, S- social Life podcast. We're a Browns podcast. Um, Ian, let's talk first of all about Washington. How do you feel after that victory?
1: In the famous words of Charles Dickens, we have a tale of two cities. In that game, we had a tale of two halves. The first half, which made me want to drink, like, ethanol. And the second half, which you're like, okay. I'm seeing some stuff here. I know that it's uh, been a little controversial amongst Browns fans of the quality of touchdowns that we scored. But at this point, Browns fans, I urge you to just think about this. If we're scoring touchdowns, Let's just say for the next year. Or so who cares? Let's just score as many as we can. It doesn't matter if Denzel Ward picks up the ball at the two yard line and rumbles in for the world's shortest fumble recovery for a touchdown, or if Amari Cooper had his version of the Ohio State Michigan cover zero tackling touchdown, or maybe there's just blown coverage at the goal line. Who cares? Let's take as many touchdowns as we can. Three of them in the second half. Like I said, it was a tale of two halves because that first half was just brutal and the second half, much better.
2: So, yeah, I think the first half is possibly the worst first half of football I've seen this season. Um, and then I would say the second half's up there for the best. And people go, oh, but it's blown coverage. My argument would be, how often do we sit there and the blounce blow coverage and we get scored against? Or we watch a replay and go, well, why didn't the quarterback throw to this guy? Because our quarterbacks in the past, whether it's Baker, and even Brissette in a way, look to what their set read is they've not sort of not developed enough, not not at that level where they might see something in the corner of their eye and it not be a first read. And they go and go, actually, like, no, I'm going to throw to that because I can do that. So I'm really, really happy that, hey, if if we're going to get three, four blown coverages against us, because I, I don't think that's an unreasonable amount for a game, is our quarterback good enough to take advantage of that? Well, that is really, really important.
1: Um Jack. Also, I guess my confusion on the blown coverage is why are we not asking why was it a blown coverage? It's not like Washington set out to say, I'm going to blow this coverage. Something we did, something we showed on tape, we went against the grain. So right. So people's Jones is coming across the middle. Well, there was a reason that Washington was confused, and it's generally because of good coaching. Good coaches scheme up things that ultimately lead to blown coverages. So, yes, I'm not going to sit there and say Deshaun Watson made the world's greatest pass to a receiver seven yards down the field right in front of him with nobody around him. However, as a team, because you win and lose as a team, that means that the offensive staff dominated. Like You can't not have those two things would be in contrast to one another. So if you're not going to give the credit to Deshaun Watson, please give it to the offensive staff
2: and how often do we sit there and we go, oh, we never make adjustments at half-time. We saw this in the first half, we saw that in the second. And quite frankly, if I saw in the first half that for the second half and the entire Steelers game, I'd probably be sat on a podcast next week going, time to let Kevin Sapansky go. Because it was that bad. Um, the wide receivers couldn't get open. It was just an absolute mess. But we saw adjustments. And then not only did we change something, went out and executed and I'm really, really, really happy with that second-half performance. And you're going to get games where come up and it's just not working for you second-half, first-half. Do you come out and correct that? And, yeah, phenomenal performance be- all round.
1: To be fair, their halftime adjustment did include the entire second quarter because I believe in the second quarter the offense only played, like, three plays – for like a minute. And then the Washington took the entire rest of the second quarter. So they actually started their halftime adjustments, Jack at the end of the first quarter, and then they didn't have to implement them to the third quarter. So maybe that's why. So if we give up like a 22 play 96 yard, 13 minute drive or whatever it was every second quarter, then the third quarter, we're going to come out like gangbusters. But no, the frustrating thing I think if we're, if we're going to be looking at it is the Browns had so many opportunities in that first quarter, just blow them right out of the doors. Right. You know, they got the interception. They held them on downs. Then they got the other interception. So it's like they just they had the ability to put them away 20, 21, nothing right out of the gate. I didn't mind Stefanski pulling York to go for it on fourth down like that to me seemed like a no brainer. Like I kind of said something to the group chat like I don't need to see Cade York kick 25 yard field goals like we. All right. Say what you want about Cade York. He's not going to miss many 25-yarders unless there's a world of problems. So, Paul, did you have any issues with the Browns going for fourth down? The season's is what it is. Wouldn't you rather see your $230 million quarterback? Yeah, that no,
0: was good. Um, I think it was the right call. I'm quite keen to get back to our normal format. Oh, and we can't go first half, second half. It's got to be across the whole um, – across the whole uh, – or I'll say ninety game. minutes for sixty minutes. Um, yeah, what? How would you rate the offense in that in that game? And you know there were some negatives, but there was also some great positives. So I think if we were just doing the first
2: half, I would say about a three. If I was just doing the second half, I'd probably say we were still running the ball well um which i you know i don't care about but we're here um and then the second half was really good so i'd probably go a 9 so i'd i'd say 6 is fair um because overall they got the job done how many times if if our offense goes out there and we put 24 um say say it we'd have got the other field goal 27 points on the board hey i'm i'm happy with that each week not going to lie
1: yeah i mean the the offensive numbers 26 minutes time of possession versus 33 for them. We only had 16 first downs, which is a little interesting considering we had 301 total yards, four of 11 on third down, which I think all four of them came in the second half. 169 yards passing, 146 yards rushing, uh, three penalties for 20 yards total on offense. So I would say, yeah, you're looking five or six. It wasn't pretty. I mean, just from your offensive people, you're talking to Sean Watson was nine of 18. 169 yards with three scores. Chubb, 14 carries, 104 yards. Obviously, the bright spot, 7.4 yards per carry. And Amari Cooper led the way with three catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns. I, I If you want to go six, we can go six. I'm keen on a five just because you're talking about chin kicking anyways. But at the end of the day, they needed to get the win. Washington's defense is not terrible. I know their secondary had those busts, All right. but at the end of the day, you did put up 24 points. You can't not scheme open good plays and hold it against an offense. So uh, if you want to go six, Jack, just on the offensive coaching preparation, I think we can go six. That works for me.
0: I was going to be controversial. As Jack said, we didn't play the very much in the second quarter. We had a bad first quarter. But I really enjoyed the second half. I would give it. Chubb played well. Watson played well.
1: Why does he was caught well? Don't you dare say seven. Eight. No. No, nah, it's not quite. Watson eight. was Watson was 50% completion. I wouldn't say no. he played well. 50% completion, averaged 9.4 yards. He didn't have any interceptions, which was nice. And he did add 31 yards on the ground, giving him 200 total yards. But there was some throws out there that I think he missed that he wants to have back. And I don't know if it's an element of rust or just an element of him trying to get in sync with the receivers. You know, one of the guys on offense, I mentioned to you, Jack pre show that I I don't understand at this point, but like we were very high on David Njoku and he started off the season pretty much putting up a consistent performance every week. I mean, his stretch from weeks three through weeks, you know, kind of seven before he missed those few games was pretty damn good. And then these last four with Watson have been his worst games in terms of you know we'll call it pff grade just to kind of apply a standard but what are we seeing on offense that's kind of taken the chief out
2: i just think that they've been awkward games bad weather stuff like that i'm, I'm not overly concerned i expect him to fully bounce back um because he's got the size that if watson's going to launch a ball at him i think it'll be all right obviously there was the drop last week which will hurt him on a pff grade Um, But no, I I expect him to bounce back. But it's certainly one where, if you look at an area that's struggled, I would say the most, it's it's the offensive line um, of of definitely, I think, under Watson. But I I expect that just to take time. He extends drives much more than we've seen in the past. And that's going to cause problems for the O-line. It's good problems to have, but it's going to create stuff there. And also, the skilled players need to learn, right, we're going to get some freelance stuff when he escapes a pocket what does the Sean Watson want me to do Um, and get your head around quick enough to see when he's pointing and going, run over there, that ball's then going to come. So that stuff will take time. And I think you'll clear up a lot more of that in training
1: camp next year. Yeah. I know the bears are having similar issues with their offensive line and fields, just because when you have that mobile quarterback, and he's running around, it's like, are are you going to throw it? Are we going downfield? Like what are we doing here? So no, that absolutely makes sense. So Paul, I, I can't give you an eight brother. That was that was not an eight performance. I, I'd hard, hard pressed press to say it was a seven.
0: Okay, well, we'll give it a six for the uh, podcast. The
1: he, you are in to... Vegas, so I understand the optimism.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually. Uh, have you heard of the stadium swim?
1: Yes, I have not been there. I have not gotten any uh, diseases from the water. But based on the view you're showing right now, I think there's a couple of good seats left down there for you.
0: Well, it's dead empty, by the way, and there's no water in the pool. But um, no, there is some water. But the spreads on there at the moment for um Sunday, I can't. I need to learn how to read the spread. Uh, are Browns or uh, Steelers favorites? Need to look, but the the
2: favorites are the minus points.
1: Yeah, the the Steelers will be favorite because they're at home. So last I checked, they were Steelers minus two, meaning they are the home team. Uh, and getting two points, meaning this game is going to start Browns two, Steelers nothing.
0: So two oh, and a great half great.
2: now. The lines moved out to, but that's effectively it's two a and a half. Okay.
0: Let's move on to the defense. What are we giving that a score out of? Love interceptions, Jack. Yeah. You go first. You're obviously, I mean, you can't penalize them because they're playing against
2: Carson Wentz, but they did a really, really good job, and I, I, I think you've got to go for a nine. Um, I was thinking eight, but. Everything they were asked to do, they went and did, minus that one long drive, which, look, if they're going to have one drive per game when it falls apart, I would much rather it was that than once per drive they fall apart. Um, it's a much better way to be. And you ta- you know, I'm not taking that one drive out, but everything else they did was really, really good. Um, and if it's one bum drive, so be it. I, I think you've got to go nine. Grant Delpit looking really, really good.
1: I don't even know if it was even a bad drive because if I'm a defense and I put my card, so to say, on an offense going 21 plays, the odds are in my favor that at some point during that drive, Wentz is going to Wentz, offensive lineman is going to hold, something like that. I was leaning eight just off the the jump because we're talking three interceptions. I mean, Carson Wentz wasn't taking shots down the field. I think his yards uh, average was around five. At most, I think they were like, we held them under four yards per carry. Terry McLaurin, five targets, only two catches. I mean, really the only person that did anything was Logan Thomas. So defensively, I thought that they basically held Washington in check. You know, Miles, sack and a half. Winovich, sack. Uh, Taven Bryan, I thought, actually, you know, played really well against their interior offensive line. So I I was going to say eight. There was enough statistical tallies, so to say, that I could give it a nine, but I think it's the best. The Browns defense is definitely rounded into form very similar to 2021, which is going to lead to some difficult conversations, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, overall, I thought the defense played really well, and at no point did I really think we were going to lose that game even after that long drive.
0: Cool. I'm going to go with... A six.
1: All right, Paul, you're going to have to explain yourself.
0: No. All right. I think I've been a bit too mean. I was a bit too optimistic. No, I think think an eight's a fair number. The interceptions were good.
1: Interceptions, sacks, holding them to 10 points. Under 300 yards total offense.
0: My biggest question is, have we seen enough of Joe Woods for him to come back next year? I think it was pretty damning
2: in Joe Wood's comments at the end of the press conference today that it is done. Um, when he's turning around and he's saying, hopefully I get to talk to you guys again. I haven't heard the, it's it, you, you, you get heard vibes from someone's voice, but that those words are not positive. So, um,
1: From what I gathered, Jack, I think he said it a little tongue in cheek. It looked to be a little cheeky. So I think he knows what people have written about him. So I think that was a little bit more like tongue in cheek than it was like, well, guys, it was nice knowing everybody. I'll see you in my next job. Like, I think he kind of played to the crowd a little bit there.
2: But I I, I don't think he's back. Um, I think there was a route to him coming back which required playoffs and then whether it was Casey, whether it was Cincinnati, whether it was Buffalo, the defence being a solid part of why we beat them. If that happens, then I I think he's in a really good spot. Um, I think it's just the right time to go and recycle and move on because the players don't seem to be reacting to him. Um, I don't think it's as much as just on him um i don't know what the issue with the players are but there's been so many negative comments from them that you've got to change something
1: and i think you're right jack but ultimately i would say that if the defensive players are chattering so to say about whatever it is i, I think it's a little bit more of an indictment on positional coaches because you got to remember nfl players ultimately spend the most time with their positional coaches right and you know if i you talk about like a mid-level management company like joe woods is kind of like the VP, right? He's the VP guy that you'll see, You have meetings with. He goes over some stuff. But your day-to-day manager is your positional coaches. So, listen, I don't have any skin in the game, whether or not Joe Woods does. But ultimately, if Depot and the front office, you know, we call it kind of that executive team, as we explained thoroughly in the who is Paul Podest and what does he do scheme. If Joe Woods is sitting there and there's an understanding with the executive team, the deficiencies in the roster building, whether it be in the safety room, you know, if they look and say, listen, it's not Joe Woods' fault that John Johnson underachieved, or we didn't really give him the best opportunity for these defensive tackles to do anything. It could be one of those ones where they go to Joe and say, listen, we need you to make, we need to make some changes here. You know, what do you think? And he presents and says, listen, I really like Chris Kiffin. I think he's a wonderful guy. His wife is amazing. But I I really would like to get somebody else on the D line. I think they're going to give him an opportunity to present a 2023 plan. That's very Depot-like to say, okay, how in line with our vision is your vision of what this defense is going to look like, right? So he highlights the areas of opportunity in terms of what they need to get better to take this next step, because we've all asked the question, how is it the Browns defense in week one through eight is bottom of the league. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, here we are third, fourth and fourth quarter. We're going to be a top five defense again. Right. And I think to your point, a lot of people have highlighted that EPA stat, Jack was like, well, the Browns are giving up. I think that's on purpose. I don't think they care about that stat. I think they're looking at it and go, yeah, look at all that's all that, uh, those rushing yards that we've given up in terms of this, this, and this. But if I'm not mistaken, Jack, I mean, if you go back and look at the Browns just in the last thing, uh, Washington 10 points, New Orleans 17, Baltimore three, Bengals 23, Houston 14, Tampa 17. I mean, not since the Bills game have we given up over 30 points, you know? So you're talking about six consecutive weeks of giving up less than 24 points. So at the end of the day, I don't, I don't give a shit about your rushy PA. Don't score points. Yeah, so I think it? if Woods does come back, that's probably going to be the route where his presentation of vision of where the defense is going to be is in line with theirs, and you could see maybe a secondary coach change, the line coach change, linebackers coach. I think actually may stay because that,
2: that would be my one that I'd I'd, I'd think. Because it does I mean, on. Reggie
1: Ragland is grading out at the top linebacker in, in for the week, so clearly they have something in that they know the mold of what they want there.
2: No, the other one about Chris Kiffin. He's obviously keeping an eye out during me over Christmas, tweeting out all my D line roster prediction articles started following me on Twitter. So uh, just saying he he is keeping an eye on the good stuff.
1: Yeah. And listen, I got nothing personal against Chris. Uh, I've I've heard very good things about him personally and who knows he he may not be the problem. We don't know. We're not inside the locker room. That's something it was, it's impossible for us to know.
2: I would love to know who was the one that really created and pushed the Jordan Elliott as a starter we will never know this is it Chris Kiffin is it Woods is it Kevin Stefanski is it Andrew Berry is it Paul De Podesta or all, all, all five guys 100% in lockstep that that was the right way to go because that is uh, when people go oh I don't like the fact they devalue D tackles yeah you don't really have an issue if it was Ioannidis and Brian I don't think anyone would have a problem but it'd still be devaluing it making Jordan Elliott
1: the starter was really what the problem is yeah Absolutely. So, ultimately, are we good with an eight? Yeah. All right. Paul gets his way after we've talked him off the ledge there for the six. Specials. Okay. I'm
2: just, I'm just going to throw out an eight again. Um, Bojo, special teams coordinator of the week. I have no real memory of anything special teams. And for me, that's a positive.
1: Uh, Jack, you do have a memory. It was the one where the special teams unit left the field, and the offense came back on the field.
2: Hey. That was the right call um, because we're in the game. Well, ideally, I'd love to be in the game for eight points per possession. Um, Kevin Svensky's a coward, and we only go for seven, but I'm certainly not in the losing four points and kicking field goals game. well York... if, if you start playing the Bills and you settle for field goals, you aren't going to be in the playoffs. I can tell you that for much longer.
1: Well, here's your special teams breakdown. York, four for four he goal, three extra points. Longest 37, so not exactly a tough day on the on the kicking front. Like you mentioned, Bojo bombs, four punts, 46.8 average. That is crushing the ball. Longest 64, two down inside the 20. Special teams player of the week. We did have one kick return, which made Jack cringe. However, he did get it out past the 25, 23 yards. And uh Darden, uh one punt for 10 yards. So yeah, if you I, I would say eight. Yeah, At there, least.
2: Was, there was one punt that just went forever. I think it was the first one of the game from uh, Bojo. It it just flew.
1: Yeah, first one of the game was the sixty-four yarder. Yep, and the only problem is the net on that one was uh, forty-nine, so it was a fifteen-yard return. Now, I will say, in terms of specials, your boy, uh, Paul, Mister Scottish Hammer, has had an elevated social media game lately. I see him out there advertising and stuff like that. He's got the good hair going on. Most importantly, have you texted him yet about his drop forward, off the ground rugby style kick? The world needs to know.
0: Not yet, but I will uh, follow up with him. Was it a yeah. good move or not?
1: No. Uh, it was an illegal move. You haven't seen it yet, Paul.
0: No, I'll go and watch it.
1: Oh yeah, we'll make sure to have to send it to you because it an incredible display of athleticism, luck skill, all of the above. But it, it was illegal. You can't drop. <laughs> it oh, was sure. pretty good. No, I look
0: forward to seeing that. And uh, I have been in contact with Scottish Hammer, but uh, nothing NFL related.
1: Well, that's good. But yeah, ultimately, I mean, Paul, we're coming up here into the, the final game. Well, we're just going to go with specials in an eight. So we're just going to leave that at that. Paul, you tend to be a resident expert on Brown Steelers games, getting the full vibe, whether it be in Cleveland, in Pittsburgh. Are, you're watching this game from Vegas, correct?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think I'm gonna go to uh uh Vegas to watch the um stay in Vegas. I could fly at midnight and then come back to Vegas, but yeah, it just seems a little bit too um a little bit too much. Just for a, for for a meaningless
1: game, yeah. I mm. I wouldn't say meaningless. All right. What are you expecting to see? What What are you going to take um, from just it? Just
0: let anyone know. Anyone in Vegas, I'll be going to the Tap House to watch the Browns game.
1: Tap House. There it is. Free advertising.
0: Um, I think this is a really exciting Browns versus Steelers game because it matters. Um, the third and fourth place over playing Vegas or Denver, and a bit of pride we don't finish bottom of the division. So, um, yeah. I,
1: my score prediction is going to be a close game. 21-20, Browns. Ooh, Ooh the old 21-20 is back. I
2: am I feel a bit more confident. I'm going to go for a 23-17. I don't believe Kenny Pickett is any good. And Wait, would, the Steelers
1: like, are scoring 17 points?
2: Yeah, I've, I've got them scoring oh, 17.
1: Are we throwing a pick-six?
2: There, there'll be a few runs. Najee <laughs> Harris versus the questionable run defense. Are they
1: playing Najee Harris? Oh, they Okay. No, they're, they're in it. Yeah, they're in it. Sorry. I was I wasn't sure. Cause after that, uh, the Baltimore game, I forgot my wife reminded me that they're still in it. We're not.
2: But, but yeah, it, it, the game doesn't really mean anything to the Browns, but to the Steelers it's the playoffs and it's Mike Tomlin's record of constantly having winning seasons. And if the Browns can stuff that, that will feel really good. It doesn't, really mean anything but it feels really good so I think that's the priority and I I think if we have another game where it's the second half of that Washington game for the entire um, two halves, four quarters we go into this off season, everyone feels better about the Browns, it's a really good recruiting tool um, for free agents and I think that really leapfrogs on and you finish the season 8 and 9, you've missed your quarterback for 11 games that's a that's a statement there um and I think I I don't subscribe that much to the um the vibes of momentum but it does impact what free agents and people think about it because eight and nine not too bad seven and ten yeah they suck
1: yeah and finally we're the one benefit of the Deshaun Watson trade is we're not sitting here bantering back and forth over 13th 12th and 11th versus draft position I'll be tanking (laughs) but just to clarify, so the Steelers to get in need to beat the Browns, the Dolphins to get beat by the Jets, and the Bills to beat the Patriots. Now, in saying that, obviously this week has been taken back, so to say, by the events of Monday Night Football. Bill safety, Damar Hanlon, suffering cardiac arrest with the crazy one in 284 million thing with his heart being hit at the exact moment, right? So, we don't have to, we're not doctors, right? So, we're not going to try to speculate on any of that stuff. But it's odd because the NFL is in a bind, right? What are they going to do about the Bills Bengals game, which they hyped up as the number one game, Monday night football game, blah, 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 blah. Because the reports, are, and you know, Pete Sweeney, um, who's a Chiefs writer, uh, came out and basically said, That Shefty was speculating that the decision will be made before Saturday, but he does not expect the game to resume, meaning the percentage determines seeding, right? Win percentage will determine the seeding. Where this is unique is if the Bills and the Bengals played one less game, what they're saying is the NFL then would say ultimately the Ravens lose the opportunity to win the division. Because if the Bills beat the Bengals and then the Ravens beat the Bengals this week, then they would have won the division. And ultimately, if Bills would have won and then Kansas City loses, the Bills get the one seed, home field advantage, and a playoff bye. The NFL is saying, well, we're considering an option such as allowing the number one seed to pick home field advantage or a bye week. Another option would be an AFC title game between two teams with a differing numbering of games is at a neutral site. So the ramifications of you know, the game being postponed or, you know, potentially canceled uh, from Monday night. Who would really shake everything up? So it's kind of crazy to see. And I thought the NFL took a lot of very unfair criticism. You know, Jack, we know how much goes into one NFL game, whether it's TV revenue, whether it's draft strength of schedules, you know, all of these parameters are set up on each team playing the same number of games. For them to, have, you know, this the, the the player went down at eight fifty five p.m. and by ten o five they had canceled the game, rightfully so. I mean, I, I we saw the same situation with Ericsson in the Euros, and they Denmark then finished the game, and it just wasn't. The, you could tell the team was it was the flattest game you'd really ever seen. The same with that Steelers game with Ryan Shazier years ago when he left the field paralyzed. Um, it, it's extremely difficult to go through that emo, emotional roller coaster. But within an hour, the NFL had figured everything out, canceled the game, let the teams do all the things they're doing. There was a lot of reports out there because Twitter is real time. So we don't really get the actual reports. We It was more of just like, well, this could be this, could be this. So I thought the NFL did a really good job in terms of this marquee game. Within an hour, they had all the decisions made, which is pretty crazy. But now, Jack, these people are probably working 16, 18, 20-hour days trying to figure out what they're going to do. Because you're not talking about like, the Browns commanders or, you know, two teams like the Bears and the you know the Texans. I mean these are, this is literally determining is gonna have an, an impact on the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, it's one that hey, what will be will be And they just move on. I just think they'll call the game off. I don't think they'll give wins, draws or anything. They'll just leave the record as it stands because hey, if you break it down as a percentage that works. Um Yes, it has knock on implications, but at the same time I think there's just the acceptance that these freak one in a billion stuff happens and you've just got to roll on with it. Um because yeah, it's it's not like it's really early on in the season you can play with um void weeks. If you genuinely are gonna play the game, you have to move the whole season back, that's the Super Bowl, that's everything, and it's just not realistic if I'm honest.
1: Yeah, because you got to think they've got stadiums reserved, corporate sponsors, you know, a lot of people. And that's the, that's the sad part is, is, you know, something like you try to put into perspective an injury versus all of the ramifications, not just financial, but you're talking about just massive ramifications for how these things are set up. And it's extremely difficult. It really is. And I don't envy any of the franchises of the NFL or any of this stuff. Um, trying to juggle that versus this guy's health. So it, it, the the positive note, and we'll leave uh, our last bit on that, is it sounds like everything is trending in the upwards direction for him to make a full recovery, which is good news. Um, you know, Obviously, there's been reports that happened to Chris Pronger. He was back out on the ice in a few weeks. So we just hope that DeMar Hanlon gets back 100% uh, and is back out there for the Bills soon enough. Paul, what do you got?
0: Yeah, I will go to work, I'm afraid to say. I'd love to carry on this conversation. But um, one thing was our podcast. I was in pole position to win the league, and then it happened. And congratulations to the, uh, the guy from Sweden.
1: It is odd because the NFL has all those gambling partnerships and fantasy football finals and fan duels and draft kings. And listen, it's just part of that giant picture. I will tell you, my wife, fantasy isn't kind of the same thing. There was two teams going back. One had Burrow. The other had Stefan Diggs, Evan McPherson, and the Buffalo defense. So these were two, obviously, large fantasy football contributing teams. And it's just another piece of the pie. And I think it just adds to the element of the uniqueness of the situation, right? Because they're, obviously nobody's saying that fantasy football is more important than a player's safety or health, right? That, that's not a thing. But your well, decisions, the Paul, Brown,
0: the Paul Brown League One is a big league, mate.
1: It absolutely is, and the fact that you were in the finals was was a legendary occurrence because not only were you in the finals, you were in the finals of Vision One. I know, so that's like the EPL.
0: This is going to be a This is going to be a story that go you tell your grandkids.
1: I I, I can't even. Oh, I'm going to have to tell them it in three languages.
0: <laughs> All right, great. Well, look, guys, I need to go to the um uh, work
1: avn avn or ces what are you out there for
0: uh ces
1: Does ces work with avn
0: i don't think so but i will get a closer better understanding for you
1: i was i was gonna say because my understanding is that avn uses a lot of ces in their stuff consumer electronics are very popular um amongst that industry
0: all right brilliant well i will um i will make sure i do some research for you yeah.
1: Do yourself a favor. Don't get any, don't get in any trouble. And if you do, I've got at least three or four mates out there that can quickly bail you out.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Nothing but support here from Paul Brown and the Paul Brown podcast.
0: All right, guys, I look forward to speaking to you after we beat the Steelers.
1: Absolutely. First time since 1988 that we beat these bastards twice in a year. So obviously house divided over here for the record, Paul, just so you know, Christmas time in the right house brought my little one a Nick Chubb jersey. Woo! So by the here's my logic: by the time she grows out of it, that's about the the time frame of Nick Chubb's probably time here at the Browns. So it really only needs to be good for like two more years. So outside of that, yep, the little one has her Nick Chubb jersey. I'll send you a picture. Awesome! It's a so. big it's a, it's a big stepping stone. Absolutely, that, my wife will love having our daughter walking around in a Nick Chubb jersey in a Browns Steelers game go browns go paul we got a little bit left to this podcast in you know i think we'll just we'll, we're going to end it on this because coming into this game i want to give browns fans the proper opportunity to pick certain players to have their appropriate send off you know a lot of times when a pitcher gets taken out of a game he comes out he gets the round of applause they get a proper send off and Week 18, for, week 18 for the Browns is it. There's no more games. There's no scenario to get the Browns playing again. So, Jack, who are the guys, quick fire, that we should vo- volleyball clap that this probably is their last game in the Orange and Brown?
2: We're just going to fly through free agents. You're going to go last game or you think they're back. So we're going to set 50% of the bar. Um, and we're just going to fly through. This It's just based on number of snaps. Ignore exclusive rights free agents. Dudes like that, whether, say, it's Thomas Graham. This is whether
1: I think they're going to be back, back or I want them back.
2: Just say back or gone. This is based on what I want will...
1: or I'll think. Okay. Yeah.
2: If there's one that you thinks the opposite, then you can... I'll let you just expand a little bit. So first up, Jacoby Brissett. Would love him back, won't be back. Ethan Pochich. Will be back, want him back. Ooh, I don't think he will be back. I think he'll be too expensive, but we'll see.
1: I think that teams are going to look at Seattle and want him to prove it one more year. I see him coming back on a very short year, uh, one or two-year deal to prove himself again. Um, And I think he's smart enough to know that Bill Callahan is the maestro, and he's going to stay uh, for at least another year. And I think that's ultimately because it'd be unfair to Nick Harris to kind of throw him back in there after a full year of recovery. So I think... He'll be back, and I want him back.
2: Uh, Taven Prime, my boy.
1: I think he's back. I think they're going to bring him back, but I think they're rightfully going to put him as a part of a rotation at D-Tackle. I want him back, and I think he'll be back.
2: Guard, hole.
1: Yelda, I think, will follow the Blake Hans. He won't be back, and why I don't care if he comes back or not, uh, I think he is gone. I think he's going to find that there's guard play needed elsewhere, so I think he is gone.
2: I think he's back as the Browns' third guard next season. He was really, really good at guard. He's certainly not a center, though. Um, yeah,
1: it's just not a native position for him. So
2: and the, well, the funny thing is people get really, really angry at him, and it's like, you, ignore his play at center. How do you think he did at guard? And they don't know because they didn't even remember him playing at guard. That's how good he was.
1: Which is how he made the team.
2: He was out there replacing White Teller, and people didn't really realize. that is a He made
1: He made the team as a guard. And he beat out some pretty well known offensive linemen in camp. He was the surprise. So again, I, I if he's back, he's back. I I got no no qualms oh, yeah. about it, but I just don't think he will because I think another team will bring him in uh for a little bit more money than we're willing to spend. Taki I do think they re-signed Taki Uh I think that this was a long shot before the injury.
2: Want uh, and think. Agree. Uh the injury certainly helped.
1: Chance bring him back. Jadavion Clowney. Uh, I do not think he is coming back. Nor I don't I don't want him back, and I don't think he's coming back. The reason I don't want him back is because I'm sick and tired of the band-aid over the bullet wound. Like, get me some youthful D-linemen. Why I think Klani may be better in the short term than a few of them. I need to see them building this D-line of depth. So I think he's gonna go somewhere warm, dorm team, uh, dorm, dome team, maybe the Saints or Miami. He's gonna go. I think chase a little bit more and be a DN three somewhere. Kareem Hunt gone, thank God. Dion Jones, Camp Body. Um, I think he provides some depth, especially if Anthony Walker isn't fully healthy. So, very minimal that minimum deal. Uh, again, I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but I do think he'd be back, and I wouldn't mind having him back. He's not like a wand but I wouldn't mind having him back, especially for just a camp body role. Because remember, I mean, Walker's injury was pretty serious.
2: I don't think you can get all... We'll bring Walker up to this point. I don't think you can get Walker Jones and Tacky because I think they all sign with enough guarantees that they're certainly making the roster. So I I think you're probably only having two of them. And I'll get rid of Deion Jones. But we'll see. Um, Maybe he goes and he looks for a deal somewhere else. Um, Farrow Brown, I would love to bring him back as camp body.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think uh P Brown, there's never too many P Browns with that orange and brown on. Ronnie Harrison. Gone. Yeah.
2: Chase Winovich. Gone. The one thing, if they do bring Clowney back, I see Winovich coming back. More as a camp body with min guarantees. Um one just to keep an arm because they'll need another edge in there um for camp if they go that way. This has got AJ Green as a restricted free agent. I think he's an exclusive rights free agent. So let's just say he's back. Anthony Walker, I, th- I think they've just got to bring him back.
1: Yeah, I think just overall, I think you don't hear many teams go completely out of their way to praise a player for everything he stands for. I think he's back. Um, Greedy, has got to be gone. I think Greedy is already gone. I, I haven't seen him. I think they basically took his brother and put him on the sidelines. I know he's out there for little special teams. And listen, I like Grady Williams. I think he's a probably a wonderful person to hang out with. And if I ever see him, I will gladly buy him a drink. I think he's going to want to change his scenery. The Browns are, I think, going to go a different direction. So I will gladly tweet my appreciation. Thanks to Grady. Once he moves on
2: Throw out three linebackers, Kunasic, Ragland, Carter. See any of them come back?
1: Kunasic is the leader in the clubhouse. Raglan's going to go somewhere else because he basically used the Browns to get himself a deal. He said Joe Woods is the greatest defensive coordinator, middle linebacker coach uh, in the league. So I'm going to go rack up a few 90-point scores, uh, get seven tackles in the season, and sign somewhere else. And uh, Jermaine Carter, uh, maybe a camp body, possibly. It just depends on what his interest around the league is indifferent. Michael Dunn. I think Dunn's going to move on. Um, I think they're going to start going youthful in that guard position. I think they're going to need to start developing some of the next tranche of guard cell. I don't mind him back. I just don't think he's coming back.
2: They they could bring him back as a free agent and then um, cut him later. So I wanted to keep not he, on. those guys John.
1: maybe even bring back and like, if you want to do a, a, a camp body swap, kind of like the Mac Wilson-Winovich type thing, maybe they do that with him. Journalist. So this is a tricky one because... Jerome Ford and Dearness Johnson are uber similar, right? In terms of their one cut, they're not Nick Chubb. We understand that there's a difference. And right now there was always a blurred line between running back one A and one B Kareem cream hunt was more like three B. But rounds daly has been talking like De'Ernest is, is back. I don't necessarily need him back. I like him as a person. I think he's, you know, a very good player. Um, it's an embarrassment of riches, what we have in that backfield, um so maybe the team wants him back if that's what they want to go and have him as the running back too fine i preferably would rather have somebody with a little bit more pass catching ability and that's the one thing about ford uh hunt and chubb i'm sorry ford De'arnest, and chubb is i don't really have that that dynamic Jerick mckinnon style out of the backfield so you know there's a guy deuce Vaughn just saying but no i if he's back he's back i just I'm okay. going to throw
2: four more free agents out there. Chris Hubbard, Tay Davis, Jesse James, and Stephen Weatherly. I assume they're all gone.
1: Uh, Jesse James, I think, might stick around just because he's what they want on the camp uh, the camp role for that position. And they're so depleted in the tight end. But it could be one of those ones where he's at offseason OTAs and then we draft the tight end and then he goes. Um, Stephen Weatherly, I have no idea whether or not he plays because he got hurt so early. Maybe he's one of the guys they bring back because they really wanted him last year, you know, and he plays like 73 musical instruments and Albright likes him. So who knows? Maybe they bring him back, but we just haven't seen anything. Like we even not see him preseason. And
2: then that's dudes that are out of contract dudes that are within contract. Um, I'm just going to throw a couple out there that I don't see making it all the way through John Johnson, I think goes early. And then, um, I would say the next name up is Chikeem Grant. That's one they could go early. The rest, there's people that could get all the way through camp. Your Schwartz is, I don't think, is going to be on the final roster. But at the same time, he's not really going to be an off-season early cut. That's going to be one that happens at cut-down day.
1: Yeah, that, that would be your trade candidate type of guys. Johnson is one of those guys where you kind of get like three levels, right? You get like the good John Johnson, which you see against Baltimore, New England. Then you get like... The decent, like the good middle tier safety, which is kind of what he's paid to be. We've seen that. And then there's some games where you're like, I don't really know what this guy's doing out there. He's kind of just, you know, so to say a bump in the road. So Johnson could be one of those guys. We talked earlier about Woods in his presentation. And it's kind of funny now. Our point of whether it was a little satirical of Woods is kind of going vibe you know, a few of the guys have said, oh, this is tallying," And a few of the people in the room were like, eh, I think it was more of a troll, which is, I kind of think what it is. But if Woods comes and says, listen, we spent all this money on John Johnson. This is how we need to use it. It could be one of those ones where they keep him around. But if his presentation is like, listen, we're not getting the production we needed from this safety. Andrew Berry. I know we signed him and stuff like that, but I think it's best we move on. He could be an integral part of that presentation. But at this point, I would lean probably 75, 25, he's gone. And it's strictly based on the performance pay thing, right? We're kind of going back into the Sheldon Richardson. Do we have anyone better? No. Can we get anyone better for half the money? Probably not. But at the end of the day, are you really going to spend $10 million on a defensive tackle or $10 million on a free safety slash box safety slash coverage guys slash... Robber, no, I just don't think they are. Um I don't have the vitriol that some people do towards Johnson, but at the end of the day, I just i they would need to have a very specific plan in place for him to a not have him ask for his release and for them to grant it.
2: it for me, it's just a fascinating process because I I wasn't on board. We can go back to when the Hooper deal happened. I knew we needed a I end, but I wanted someone cheap like an Eric Ebron, Troy Hill. John Johnson were both everything on paper, phenomenal, great value because they came in less than expected. Positions of need, really good play in LA, and so genuinely excited for what those two could offer. It just hasn't worked out. But it's one that I, I follow that process. If you're getting people undervalue a great track record and positions of need, go after it and don't stop. But we come from this basis. The vast majority of free agents are cut after two years because they're not, they're not good investments just on a general basis. Because if they were great, why would they have left? Teams then go the extra mile to resign them. So happy with the process. Um, they would be two players out of the past, sort of the AB era, that I would want to sit down and go, what, what on earth happened? Yeah, because I can get why you sign them. There's other players, hey, you get signed, and I'm like, yeah, well, why? Whereas those who zero reason of doubt. Um, and yeah, just well,
1: and and Hill's back part. in LA for a cheaper deal, and he's not great, but he's not terrible, right? And, and that was kind of his stick here with the Browns, right? There would be some games you'd be like, ooh, and then some games you're like, ooh. So it it may be just a fit type of thing, some coaching personalities. We talked earlier, maybe there's a new Secondary coach, it's coming. I don't know. We don't know. But at the end of the day, Johnson was the unique one where I think the Rams wanted to sign him, but they couldn't because they had sacrificed so much. So it's one of those ones where, yes, certain teams have the ability to kind of just create this mirage of the cap so they can bring guys back and fit them in here. square Tetris almost like. But Johnson was one with a, listen, we just can't do it. And it was unfair because he had seeked a market um out there in free agency. So we weren't the only team that was out there pursuing them, right? It was there was several teams out there. So he'll be an interesting one. Um, part of me just wants him to bring him back so certain people on Twitter's heads roll. Just because it's absolutely I, I prefer anarchy and chaos.
2: Always up some anarchy. The off should be full of it because we're not going to sign too many um, big splashy guys. People get really upset. It's like, hey, what? Why aren't we trading for an Amari Cooper this off Because you can't add loads of people and twenty million a year and just pretend like that is fine and sustainable. So what are you uh,
1: talking about Deron Payne is already on his way here.
2: He swapped we the jersey. It, there was a contract under there.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, with the beef between him and Jonathan Allen, I just it, it's not sustainable there. And now that Mac Wilson's gone. We don't have enough Alabama players, so it just makes sense. It has to be. But no on a positive note, Jack, the specialists. Hewlett, Moriquez, York, all back next year. So yeah. clearly this is going to be the staple. The question is, who's leading the team? Who's leading that that segment? Is it assistant head coach Mike Prefer? The what noises
2: are there that he's probably coming back.
1: Um Jack, in my he- in my ears. You have it, the London Symphonic Orchestra. Here we have Severance Hall, the Cleveland Harmonic Orchestra. The music is just playing in my ears. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, it'll make it just warm my heart to watch the meltdown over a special teams coach. <laughs> you probably may remember, but Chris Tabor was like the guy here that survived every coaching change. <laughs> he was just like the guy who they're like, Do we need a special teams coach? You may know this. I don't know if you know this, Jack. Do you know college teams generally don't have special teams coaches? Never knew that. In a staff, you'll look around college. Like, they'll sometimes give guys the title. But most of the time, like, you're, like, you're the inside linebackers coach and the special teams coach. Right? So either the head coach kind of takes it over because they have well-run things on the other side. But there's not really, in college, a dedicated special teams coach. So, like, mine back in the day was Bill Conley who ended up, you know, I think head coach at, I think he was at Ohio Dominican. I think he was at Ohio Dominican, but yeah, Bill was our special teams coach. So it, it's kind of wild that they're positional coaches and special teams coaches.
2: So we've done the players it we be remiss not to touch on the coaching staff. We're now at three years in of the Depot, AB, Kevin Stefanski series. That's two years left on their contracts. When they brought them in, they all signed five-year contracts um, to coincide. It makes sense that, hey, this is year four. Put up or shut up. You do well. We'll extend you guys. And we'll add on another three, four to the end of it, whatever. If not, that's naturally a good time to change because, hey, there's only one year of contract you're paying out for these guys. Who knows if Depot's part of that, that future. But that, I think that's a good one there. I would say I, I, I'd love them both to go. I think Woods is gone. I think Prefers probably
1: ends up coming back jack much like draft picks after three years can you extend coaches and gms is that is that how that works we can maybe do any year listen at the end of the day i want out of my coaches a a a consistency a professionalism and a normalcy and i think stefanski has brought that right there's this is a team that was perpetually four and 12 you know three and 13 always fighting for that top 10 draft pick. And they've kind of raised the bar. Now, has the bar been raised high enough? Probably not by a lot of fans' standards. I mean, I get it, like eight and nine. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't the Vegas win total around nine, nine, nine and a half? So you start going back to the Jets-Saints game. So the Browns were pretty much as good as everybody predicted. It's it's what you're good. I mean, it's a hard truth sometimes to just face the reality that you're not the Buffalo Bills. You're not the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, you're not the 49ers. You just don't have the talent on defense they do. But if my low bar for a season is eight and nine, nine and eight, 10 and seven, I'm okay with that. Like we talk about Tomlin, and the most impressive thing about him is, well, he's never had a losing record. Yeah, but he's had a lot of them right in that kind of mediocre so if all of a sudden as a franchise we've now raised the bar from four and what be 13 now five and 12 up to eight nine wins on a bad year i'm okay with that because ultimately i want the you know kind of that wave right so we talk about a linear wave of talent so all of a sudden we get a couple draft picks that hit and now we're going to just load some assets in and go for it and try to push from 10 to 13 wins. Cause it's a hell of a lot easier in the NFL to go from eight, nine wins to 13. than it is from four to 13. We understand this. So like, for example, the next year, I completely expect the Vikings to be completely in the tank. Cause they've won like 12 games by like two points. So that ball is going to bounce the other way. Quite much like it did sword. for us, <laughs> much like in 2020 for us, we had a lot of things go our way. You know, it's kind of gone back to the norm. So I think if we're talking about changes, I think Stefanski. I, I just I like having to steal a phrase from Jack Zach Jackson and Andre. Not I like having an adult in the room. There's no drama. That is my preferred coach. I think the changes are going to come on the sub level. I do think Alex Van Pelt is back. I do think Bill Callahan is back. Um, obviously. I think if anything, you're gonna see some shuffling amongst that second tier court, you know, coordinators, so to say, the positional coaches. Um maybe Drew Petzig, maybe something something like that. I, I you're gonna see some movement in that level. More I think Prefer is obviously trending upwards in terms of coming back, which at the end of the day, guys, I hate to break news. The special teams coach. You're special talking teams about two doesn't guys. really matter. Yeah, That's like usually basically it's like don't lose me the game and in some cases you're dealing with young guys you're not going to come out and be a 13 win team next year if you go and get you know amos jones as the. i you know i love saying that name just because it pisses so many people off but let's just call joe smith the best special team coach of all time you're not winning any extra games right yeah Kate, the, the Ravens, special I'm teams coach does not does not change the fact they have the, fact, they yeah, they have the player <laughs> exactly they had well even though the but see, the thing is is Justin Tucker isn't good because of a special teams coach. Sam cook for years, wasn't good because of a special teams coach. They were good because they're good players, right? There's a difference between scheme and personnel. I could have the greatest scheme. I could have taken Baltimore's uh, special teams coach for all those years at number one, giving him to the Browns. And if Cade York, his plant foot comes out and he kicks the ball to Berea or, you know, like the Noah Ruggles kick. I mean, it happens, you know, sometimes you shank a punt. Sometimes a guy doesn't get a message and he's off the field. I get it what you're expecting them to do is make the changes to prevent the systemic issues from happening, right? Too many men, stuff like that. I mean, Ohio state, same difference with the, the fake punt where all, 10 guys got the message in the Michigan game. It was going to be a fake punt. The snapper snaps it to the punter. and was like, Oh shit, what do we do? Like, what are you going to do? I mean, it's just a mistake happens. So I think that's where your changes are going to be. Listen, if they get a new one other than prefer fine, I would say, I don't know, Jack, Woods is trolling. When you're trolling like that, you're confident, right? You're feeling the mojo. The shoulders are moving. Woods has a little swag. My defense trending up. Woods, baby. Out? I think he's in. You think he's in? Oh, he's in? I think he's in. And it's solely because I've been pounding the tables for this since week five. The first half was literally just because I was trying to be funny and because the defense was really bad. And I'm like, he's probably gone. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to like this guy. Now I really like him and his defense is good. He's coming back. Welcome to Cleveland, Joe Woods. At this point, buy a house. Don't rent anymore. Joe Woods should be buying a house. I know so many real estate agents. Pound the table for Joe Woods. Coming back. He's living in Strongsville. Woods in 2023, baby. Well,
2: hey. You've heard it here. And all I'm going to say is, because I've got to go out tonight, because I'm having steak dinner. It's birthday on Saturday. So, Ian, stop talking. Go Browns. I
1: need to go with the stack. Grand just called. He wants Joe Woods back too. Go bro.